Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Principal's Desk podcast. My name is David Franklin. I am the founder of the Principal's Desk, and I am joined today by someone who has, I think, worked almost every job in the education profession, uh, up from substitute teacher to principal, and uh, a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of really interesting positions in between. And so I'm really excited here to talk to Monte DeMars. And, um, you know, he's going to share with us his incredible journey, uh, his passion and becoming an educator from when he was in high school, uh, all the way up until now. Currently, he is an assistant principal in the Dallas Independent School District. And uh, just an uh, incredible journey here. And I want to talk about this journey and how it can maybe help those of you listening uh, to reignite your passion into what you want to do uh, in education. If you're maybe in a, in a position that you, you like, but you're thinking, hey, I would love to become an administrator one day, but I just, I don't know. I don't know if I can get there. I'm not in the right position now. There's a path for everyone if you do have that passion there. So, uh, so Monte, thank you so much for, for joining us here. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you, David. It is an honor and a privilege to be here to meet you, first of all, and then get a chance to talk about my journey, my story. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, I, I know you reached out to me and as I you know, put out, you know, who, if you want to be a guest on the podcast here and uh, just when you listed out just all the things you have done in different cities and states and districts and positions and just your journey. Um, I was reflecting on my journey and it's different than mine. And I don't know, I don't know or think that mine is the average one or the best one or the not best one. I, everyone's got their own journey. It's very personalized, but I thought your journey was very interesting. Again, you know, uh, starting from being a substitute teacher, which my first year in education was a substitute teacher. And let me tell you, it was horrendous, <laughs> but just, you know, again, your journey and, you know, the basketball program that you created for kids and, and everything else. So uh, why don't you get us started here? Um, let's go back. Uh, I know you graduated high school in 95, but let's go back to 1994, 95 here as you're thinking about your future. What made you want to go into get education after graduating from high school? Actually started, um, I, uh, I took a law class in high school and my law teacher uh, said that I had the gift. She called it the gift of gab. <laughs> and she said that uh, I should really uh, be an attorney. So at first I wanted to be a lawyer and that was my pursuit. And we did mock trials and all of that. Um, in high school, we had a program called teacher's assistant for seniors who finish their classes before the end of the day um, and had just had extra time left. And of course, um, I didn't have a car in high school, so I had to stay at the school. So I became a, what we call a teacher assistant and I began to help in the, our business class. And the teacher uh, became pregnant and she left on an early maternity leave. The substitute that they hired uh, did not know how to type or did not know any of the business <laughs> curriculum. So I was the teacher's TA. So I stepped in and started teaching the class. 
in high school. And from there, I connected to my passion. And it was like, wow, I like this. And so I didn't know, I didn't realize that even as a kid, I played schools with school with my siblings. I for, I'd forgotten all about that because typically when we're called to do something, we just do it. it it's innate. And so when I did that in high school, it was just something that was innate to me. And so the principal took note of it and uh, several of my peers, and that's how the journey began. And so my first, uh, that was my senior year, my first uh, semester in college, we had to write a paper in our English class. And the paper was around what is it that you want to do or be in life? And mine was, I wanted to be a principal. <laughs> That's, it's funny. We, so I was an elementary principal for five years and every year we would do a, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I, and, you know, and we would do this with a lot with kindergartners and they would write it on the sign and it'd be mm -hmm. this fun, like end of the year thing. And there were always a few teachers in the group. No one ever was like, I want to be a principal. Like that just is, <laughs> you know, and I never wanted to be a principal either. Like I just that never occurred to me when I was younger. Um, but before you continue, I wanted to 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 mention one thing that you just said that I find fascinating. Something that I think high schools, if you're if you if anyone here is listening is a high school teacher, high school principal, um, the notion of the TA. Um, I think is very underutilized, especially with seniors who, if you, they got that free period at the end of the day, and, and I know a lot of uh, schools, they let their seniors go home early, you know, if they, if they have a ride or can get home, um, it's just a wasted opportunity for some leadership uh, and to be a TA and to share their experiences. And what a perfect example of what you did in basically taking over the class, um, which helped you ignite your passion and maybe take you from, hey, maybe I want to be a lawyer to, ah, you know what, like this education thing maybe is more my speed here. Um, so I think that's really fascinating. So I just, I picked that up right as you said, I'm like, oh, if I was a high school principal, boom, I would, uh, I would make that kind of like a mandatory thing where high school seniors, if they have that free period, you're a TA, you're not going home early. Because uh, I think that's a lost opportunity with a lot of kids. But uh, yeah. I agree, David, and especially with the teacher shortage. Oh, yes. and, and helping and helping kids identify their purpose in life. So I think that's a very good point that you made. Well, and then the other thing too, with the substitute, not knowing the curriculum. I mean, I remember being a substitute teacher thrown into, especially I could deal with the elementary and most of the middle school content and curriculum. When he got into high school though, I was thrown into like high school math classes and I, you know, uh, it had been a few years and no, I can't teach that. Um, I was basically there to be a warm body. Um, but if there had been um, a high school senior in the group who was really gifted in math, he or she really could have been useful there for me. So I, I, I think the teacher shorts, I think you're right. You're, I think you're right on that, right on the money. Absolutely. So as a matter of fact, when I did that, in, I wrote that in college, my, I remember my professor calling me to her desk and reading my paper and she was like, wow, there are not too many 18 year olds who come to college and know what they want to be. Mm -hmm. And I remember vividly, she says, uh, Monte, this is awesome. That's great. Yeah, I didn't at 18, uh, no, no, no one I knew, my <laughs> brother did. 
my brother had wanted to be a lawyer since he was like five and he is a lawyer now but other than my brother no one else that i have known over the years knew what they wanted to be when they entered into college at 18 uh nobody so the fact that you did shows that that passion has been there forever uh and that's wonderful absolutely i think that uh it's something that all of us are born with i think um through the course of life and um, the journey of life, we discover that. But fortunately for me, I discovered it earlier than later. And so I was able to trot out my path. Now I did get off course and I'll talk about that shortly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um, the fact that you had a path. I mean, I, I became a substitute teacher, not because I really wanted to get into education, but because I had to pay my rent. <laughs> like I, I was, a, I was a musician in the '90s, and as I was graduating from college, and I was going to be a guitar player, I was going to be in a band, and I needed rent money, so I became a substitute teacher because you just had to take a test, and it really wasn't that hard, and yeah, I could work kind of when I wanted to. Um, very different than kind of what you were thinking at the time, um, but um, yeah, I mean, my path definitely wasn't straight getting into education. Yours was far straighter than mine. Um, I know you took some some turns that uh, a lot of people didn't, but I think those turns, and I really do want to hear about them, I think have, you know, I'm going to speculate here, have shaped you as to an administrator with just a wider perspective on education, having given that you've done some of these roles that many of us have not. And mm -hmm. I think that's really important uh, as an administrator that you have those experiences. Right, absolutely. Um... So from there, David, I, uh, I I knew this lady in my church. She was a principal. And so she, I told her that I was interested. And so she led me down the path of actually being a, becoming a tutor. And so I became a tutor. And after I tutored for a while, there, were, there, um, there was a paraprofessional position that opened. And so she called me to her office and said, hey, Monte, what do you think about this? Um, you're already here every day. But now you can make a little bit more money. Uh, what do you think about becoming a full-time paraprofessional? You can get insurance, days off. Uh, now, as a sub, you don't get the days with pay. So what do you think about that? So I went and took the test and passed the test and um, started as a paraprofessional uh, prior to that, you know, long-term substitute teacher. And I remember David going to the school every day as an 18-year-old, dressed in a suit and tie, <laughs> and just there in case anybody was out, hey, you got a sub right here, I'm, I'm already here. And I remember doing that. And uh, yeah. it, it was, it, it, as I reflect on it, it, it was mind-blowing, the path that I took. Uh, and so after that, I remember creating programs, uh, the basketball program that you mentioned. Well, there was a, there, legally there's an age limit for boys to play or girls to play. And so I was always drawn to the kids who were kind of rejected. And so I started opening the gym every Saturday and Sunday and allowing those students who were not eligible to play for the school an opportunity to play. So I created something like a, um, a league outside of the official league. 
and we would, I would open the gym and I would get some reps to come and uh, referee for us. But it gave those students who were not eligible an opportunity to still uh, play and practice and um, experience or have the basketball experience outside of the normal school uh, calendar. Now, are you, say, so when you're doing this, you, you've planned out this alternative league, you know, for kids to be able to play basketball on Saturdays and Sundays, you're doing this while you're a paraprofessional, correct? And how, yes. you're 18, 19, how old are you? I'm about 19. 19. <laughs> 19, yes. That's, I mean, <laughs> You know, again, people who are listening here, think about 19-year-olds you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> how many of them, you know, full-time paraprofessional in the school, created a basketball league for kids. Are you, um, are you going to school at this time? Are you, are you? Uh, that, that's where I got off. And that's, that's where I feel I got off. Okay. Uh, Take us I, I loved it so much, David, until when I got around it, it sucked me in, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, really, honestly, uh, and and I'm I'm saying paraprofessional around 19, maybe been 20, but because I did substitute teaching for a while, and but I loved it so much that uh, I just wanted to be around it. Uh, for example, and I was the kid that stayed after school with my principal and uh, stayed to games every game. We had programs. I was at the programs. I, I rode to work with him. Rode home. I'm asking questions. Uh, how do you do this? Why do you do this? What does this mean? And, and I'm, mind you, I'm making about, bringing home about $525 a month. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but at the time, it didn't matter to me because I just wanted to be around education. And sure. um, so that was, that was a, oh, I also started a choir. A school choir. We didn't have a choir. So I played uh, for my uh, church and I started a school choir and we travel. I traveled with the choir around the city singing. And uh, (laughs) yes, I started a young men's mentoring program called Young Men of Excellence. And uh, these were again, these were the boys who the young men who were possibly uh, not your average kid. But I just, I've always had a heart for at-risk kids. Mm-hmm. And so I took the at-risk boys and I created this uh, young men's program. And uh, I created a day where I would meet with them. And we just taught them different skills, life skills, social skills, uh, how to treat a girl, uh, how to go out on a date, how to eat, etiquette, just so many things there. And that's the 20, 19, 20, 21-year-old boy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean. That's a lot. You did all this by like 2021, where I think that's like my career is what you just talked about. You did it <laughs> at 2021. And, you know, I, I also have a passion for working with the at-risk kids as well. Uh, I've, I've worked on kind of both ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And uh, although I, I loved all of my experiences, uh, if someone ever asked me, you know, where do you think you made the biggest difference? And, you know, th- hundred times out of a hundred, I will say when I was at, you know, a principal of a middle school with just about every student was at risk. And um, 
we left, it was blood, sweat, and tears, you know, we left it all on, all in the court, you know, and <laughs> um, there were some kids that we lost, and but there are some kids that I can look back, and I, I can see their faces, I know their names, and uh, I know we made a true difference in their lives, um, and they are different adults now than they would have been if, if we as a, as a group didn't intervene, and teach them the same skills that you were talking about, you know, how how to, you know, with the, with the men, it's yeah, how to treat a girl. We had a lot of just deplorable behavior that was, mm -hmm. that we saw. And so it's just those conversations and like how to, how to dress for success and, Correct. and, you know, just etiquette. I mean, just a lot of these kids just, they did not have the role models right. to show them this. And I was lucky that I did. And, mm -hmm. but these kids, they needed that. And so we were able to bring a great group of people in there and, and really work with them and just, just saw them blossom. And again, like I did this much later in my career, you're doing, you're doing this while you're running a choir, while you're running a basketball program and while you're bringing home, bringing home the big bucks of $500, which <laughs> I think is more than I brought home at that time to <laughs> a substitute teacher for sure. But uh, I mean, that's fascinating. So where does where does your college obviously you you have a degree and you know uh, you know uh multiple degrees and so like you're not you haven't gone to college yet how where was that who, who's was like hey you know what you need to become a teacher like was there a person or is that something on your own that you were like i gotta go do this um i think it was a mixture of both there were people many people, people would come and I would create lesson plans. Uh, if the teacher didn't leave lesson plans, I would create lesson plans as a substitute long-term sub. Um, and every time an administrator or a, a fellow, fellow colleague would see my work or see him in the classroom in action, it's like, wow, you need to go back and be a teacher. Uh, but again, I was connected so to it at that point, I, I, I didn't want to leave it. So finally, uh, I was transferred to another school. It was an alternative school. And my principal there said, Monte, you are an excellent, um, at that time I was a paraprofessional, but you're an excellent leader. And I told him my desire about wanting to be a principal. And he said, you know, there's only one way that that can happen. You have to go back to school. You have to get your master's degree. And so he encouraged me, I'll never forget him. He encouraged me to go back to school. So I resigned um, and as a paraprofessional and I continued to drive school bus. So I went back to college and drove school bus and I uh, finished college in around, around 2006 and uh, drove bus up until that time. Drove the school bus. I mean, we all <laughs> joke about all the jobs that we do as educators driving the school bus. I think we always joke like, yeah, drive, but we don't actually drive the school bus. You drove the school bus, maybe not when you were principal, but like you never left it. That's the thing. I drove the school bus. <laughs> you know, from the moment you graduated high school or really even before you graduated when you were a teacher assistant and then you're going on this journey and then you go back to college, you're, you're still driving the school bus. You're, 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 you never left 
you were always there, uh, which again, like, you know, driving a school bus is hard. Like, no, I don't think people realize how, like, it's not an easy job. And I know I got on a lot of school, school bus drivers cases over the years and till like one was like, well, do you want to ride with me? And just see what it's like. I was like, sure. And then after that, I didn't say a word. I got him coffee all the time. Like, I mean, it's I mean, it's a hard job. Right. It, it is, but I loved it. Um, I remember uh, I had a plan, David. And my plan was to actually drive bus at 18 and go to college and teach after that. However, a monkey wrench uh, was, was thrown. You couldn't drive at 18. You had to be 21. And so I had passed the test. I said it passed the test. It had my CDL license and everything. And so that's what kind of, uh, I would say, threw me off. But it really didn't throw me off. It uh, actually, it gave me what I needed to be successful in the future. Yeah. And so I, uh, I drove bus and I remember driving bus. And, I, you know, they gave me the routes that other drivers could not handle because, you know, I'm used to dealing with at-risk kids. So I got to what they would call the bad routes. But I got on there, put my music in for the kids, gave them the expectations, and hey, drove them to school. Now, where, what, what city? Where, where are you when you're doing this? This is in uh, my hometown, Natchitoches, Louisiana. This is, yes. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Just trying to, like, for those of you, and, and so for those of us who don't know exactly where that is, um, how far are you from, um, uh, like wh where are you, where are you like located in the state? Shreveport is about, uh, Nagas is about 60 miles from Shreveport. Louisiana. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So there were actually routes that other drivers did not want. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That is a whole like new, like, <laughs> you know, the political side of school bus driving, you know, and like, you know, um, that I have no experience in. So, uh, but I can see how someone like you would be successful. You know, you, you know, I, I, you said something that I gravitated to was like, you put on the music. It's like, I use music in my classroom now. Um, I don't look at, but back in the day I had long hair, I had earrings, I was in a rock band. Wow. I still like hard rock, heavy metal music. I, uh -huh. My wife hates my music because um, <laughs> it's loud and aggressive, but it, I, there's something about it that that's just, it's a part of me and I love it. Um, but I would connect with the at-risk kids that I worked with because I would see them with like a, a sweatshirt or a jacket on. It had like a patch or a logo of like a metal band that was a little uh i don't know if i would let my kids wear that logo but like hey i know what the logo is and i'd start talking music with them and they'd be like you know that band i'm like yeah i know that band i saw them in concert 10 years ago Wait, have you seen them i'm like no and i'm like yeah see there you go i'm you know i'm not faking this and so i can see though you have that natural ability to connect with kids and um you know, my guess is that they hated riding the bus until you became the bus driver. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, I, I, again, I, I connected to them. I was strict. Uh, there, there was a no nonsense. But one, I think once you gain kids and they realize that you care about them, 
you can get anything in the world from them. Yeah. You can get them to do anything, you know. Correct. And so that's kind of what the, the relationship was. It's about building strong relationships with kids. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 100%. Could not agree with you more. Anytime I, I was talking with another educator about like, you know, those kids. And I'm, for those of you that are listening to this, I'm using air quotes, you know, it's those kids <laughs> over there. And like, how do you work with those kids? And it's like, I, I got to know them. Right. You know, I, I learned what they like, what they don't like. Uh, for me, again, it was always music. Like, and sometimes the music, I, I didn't like it either. But you know what? I'm going to learn a few songs. I'll throw it on the mixtape, you know, whatever it is. And uh, we can connect that way. Um, right. And so kids, and I, I think you're right. You get kids to do anything. If they respect you if and they know you're there for them, they want to please you. That's, that's, I think that's innate in our, just our you know, our biology, you know, and so it's, that's unfortunately lacking in so many schools across the country. It's that Mm -hmm. mutual respect. It's that understanding the relationship building. Um, Right. Yeah. And one of my favorite quotes, David, is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. And I take that same thought when dealing with children, they're, they're people, they're humans, and uh, they don't care about English and math and some I'm, when I talk about at risk, they don't care about that, but they will care about math, English, science, social studies, if they care about the teacher that's teaching yes. that. Yes, absolutely. I when I was at this at risk school, um, it was it was a difficult five years, uh, but I had some teachers that had been there for a very long time who they were jaded. They they were just very stuck in their ways and um, they were getting frustrated when I would bring in new teachers who were able to connect with kids in a different way. Literally, these same kids put them side by side, looked at the data, and it was night and day. Wow. And so I would say, what's the difference here between the two classrooms? I didn't want to point out teachers, but what's the difference here? Because we, we said before, these kids can't learn. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they can. they can. So what does that tell us about our environment that we were bringing our kids into? Um, that was a very hard conversation to have. And I, I took some lumps over it from some teachers, but at the same time, I was like, the data doesn't lie here. Why is teacher A being successful when teacher B is not? I'm not saying teacher B is not a good teacher, but there's something missing. And it's, that's a hard conversation to have, but you're right. They don't, you know, they don't care about calculus to begin with. They care about, do you know who I am? That's right. Then you can get to the calculus and they'll probably be successful. Um, Absolutely. But they've got to have that piece before 100%. And like, again, like you're building those relationships from the moment that they get out of bed and they're getting on the school bus, they're having a positive experience. My guess also is that having a positive experience with you on that bus, they had a better experience at school. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, the relationship was so strong, David, I remember the principal actually bringing kids to me, the bus driver, who were having problems in class. Oh, for sure. I believe I would have done that. (laughs) If I was a principal, I would have done the same thing because it's all about that connection. Right. Yeah. And there were some kids, there were some kids, and we all have some kids that are like this where we've tried so hard and just there's something that's just not, I cannot connect with this kid. Like I, I, uh-huh. I can also picture those kids. I would bring those kids to, to other adults and be like, uh-huh. I know you have a better relationship uh-huh. than I do. 
<laughs> help, help, help me out here. Like, and I, and I would step away, but I would totally have brought my students to you. 100%. Thank you. Makes sense thank to me. You. <laughs> yeah. So, so you drive a bus, you get your teaching, uh, you, you finish college. Finish college. Right. Where do you go from there? So I finished college and this is another <laughs> ironic moment. My friend and I go to this district and we interview. Both of us interview with the same principal. <laughs> the principal walks out and says, and he, my friend invited me to the, <laughs> to the, to the uh, district to interview. The principal walks out and he says, uh, basically, I'm gonna only hire one of you. And Mr. DeMars, I would like to make you the offer. I need an English teacher. Would you come and work? I felt bad because I went, he, the, my friend invited me. <laughs> but in the interview, it's just the same way we're talking now. I talked then, but a little bit more experience now. But I just, people are drawn to the passion. Mm -hmm. If you yes. have passion. Yeah, you and can able always, to make that connection. Yeah, you can always teach someone how to teach. Right. Not teach having the passion. Come on, yes. I mean, you you can't. You can't. And so when I interviewed teachers, that I, I knew within five seconds of someone walking in the door if I was going to hire them. I didn't need to ask them questions. And mm -hmm. because I could just tell it was, are you excited about this? Like, can you communicate with me? Uh, are you, do I based off of what you're saying, do I think you connect with the kids, especially the kids that are at our school? Not some other kids maybe across town, but my kids, can you connect right. with my kids? I knew within five seconds of them walking in the door. And it was funny because the teachers who I was with on the interview panel would look over at me and they saw that like, I stopped taking notes. Like, you know, like, and, <laughs> and they would like write a little note, like, are we, are we not do, do you not like this person? I'd be like, no, I'm going to hire them. I just, I'm done. Right. I don't need right. I'm just, we're just wasting time now. So, right. um, and so I, I caught a lot of flack over there. So it's like, well, they don't have an experience. I don't care. They want to be here. And Correct. that, you can teach someone how to teach. That's what I, and I, and I worked for a university for a number of years. I taught in master's classes and instruction. It's like, I can teach people how to do that. I can't teach them to want to work with kids. Correct. So Correct. I could, I, yeah, I mean, I feel bad for your friend, but at the same time, <laughs> uh, you know, you obviously stood out uh, in that interview. And so you're hired teaching high, high school English, middle school English? Mid middle school English. Middle school English. Middle school English. All right. As a, as a matter of fact, David, um, I think this would be a good uh, interjection here. As a matter of fact, my first principal assignment I was hired at a school that was chronically uh, understaffed. They just couldn't find people to come. My first assignment, I was, I fully staffed the school. And my superintendent asked me, how did you do that? And I said, I don't sell people money. I don't sell them incentives. I sell them vision. Mm -hmm. I like that. And my passion, my passion allowed me to sell the vision. And they would come and want to work for me. 
Yeah. No, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> I, I had people in my career, I, you know, like, like what you just said, they wanted to come work at my school because of how we collectively ran it. And mm-hmm. um, some of those people I was able to bring on, some of them I just, I didn't have spots for, but just like you, that passion to work with the kids, it's also the passion to work within the vision of the school. Mm-hmm. And I passed on many teachers who have these Ivy League credentials, who people are like, why would you not hire this person? He went to Stanford. Oh, he doesn't want to be here. Like, <laughs> I, I, I know he has like a molecular chemistry, whatever, you know, master's degree from Stanford. I don't want him teaching our kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I just, I, I'd rather have someone who wants to be here. I'll teach right. them what they need to know about, you know, instruction. Um, absolutely. hundred percent. So how long are you a teacher before you moved into administration? Um, I taught maybe three to four years gotcha. prior to move to, into administration. So, um, 2011, well, I started in 2006. I worked from 2006 to 2010. Mm-hmm. And I, my wife and I opened a preschool center in 2010. Wow. And, but at that time, I didn't have a master's degree. So I'm still behind the eight ball. <laughs> so 2010, I went back to college and I got my master's degree because again, you can't be principal without it. Right. And I started working in Shreveport, Louisiana, 2011. I worked 2011, 2012 as a teacher. 2012, I came back and I was, we were a TAP school, so I became a mentor teacher. Okay. So around September, around October, the assistant principal uh, was appointed as principal at a school. And when the superintendent came to talk to my mind principal, he asked him, did you have anyone? And he said, I got a young man. <laughs> now, mind you, at that time, I had not finished my master's degree. I didn't graduate until December of 2012 with my master's degree, right? Okay. But the principal, the superintendent allowed me to work in that role as wow. assistant principal okay. without a master's degree. <laughs> That's unheard of. <laughs> yes. Now yeah. watch this. I had already passed my uh, principal um, tests. Okay. That's just, again, that innate knowledge. Being around principals, asking questions, right, questions, right. questions, had already passed. So I had already passed my uh, practice exam. Mm-hmm. And so the superintendent allowed me to serve from uh, October to January as assistant principal. And then I was appointed assistant principal. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> With all the right degrees and, uh, <laughs> right. and everything. Amazing, right. amazing. And then... Um, when did you finally move up to what you've been working towards basically your entire you know life? How long did that take you to get into that principal's chair? I worked as assistant principal a year. Yeah. About a year. Uh, 2014, I was appointed my first principal job in another district. Nice. So, yes. Okay. I, I did one year as well as an assistant principal and moved in. I was actually became the principal of the school. Uh, my principal was promoted to district office. Mm-hmm. I stepped up. Um, but I got a lot of like, is he ready for this? Did you get, you know, I, 
we're the same age as we talked about, I think, uh, right at the beginning here. Did you, when you stepped in, okay, so I'm, I'm looking at our timeline here. It's about 10 years ago. So, you know, uh, young, you know, you're a young man at this mm-hmm. point, you know, where, did you get a lot of like, what does he know? Like, he hasn't been doing so long. What does this guy know? I got a lot of that too. What, what did you get? I did. Uh, as a matter of fact, my, my principal at the time, um, he, he gave me his blessings to do it. Uh, but he he felt that I was, uh, he knew I could do the job, um, but he felt that I needed some more experience. And reflecting back on that, I agree, uh, because I, I did, I was principal one year there, and then um, my wife had a health scare. We moved back to Shreveport, and uh, it was like October, and so I had to teach. Wow. I had to teach. And so one of the things I did is I, I taught, but the same requirements that I held my teachers to, I did. Mm-hmm. And next year I became assistant principal of summer school and then assistant principal of high school then. But did I get to answer your question? Did I get that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of it. And, um, I made a, I, I tell this to anyone who, who I'm talking to, like I made every mistake uh, yes. and I was younger. I was younger than you were um, not too much, but I made every mistake and I owned every mistake. And I would, I would, I would acknowledge it to my staff. Be like, yep, that didn't work. Guess what? Right. We're going to try something else, you know? Right. Uh, and so uh, I kind of that, but interesting how, cause I see a lot of posts, uh, you know, on the principal's desk, Facebook group. And a lot of people do ask me like, how many of you who are administrators have stepped back into the classroom? And um, it sounds like your, your circumstance is a little different than, than most people where, you know, you had some family things to take care of and, um, and everything, but not a lot of people step back. But if they do step back, the vast majority of those people don't ever move forward again because they don't right. want to. You're, again, different situations. You had to work your way back up there. Right. <laughs> um, right become, uh, you know, an assistant principal. And then um, I see you did that for one year. And then you were a middle school principal for oh, about four years or so. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's correct. I, David, I think it was the best thing that happened to me. Mm, why's that? I, I didn't like it at the time. But I, I think that it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Because so often we leave the classroom. And when we sit in the principal's seat, we forget what it's like to be a teacher. Agreed. And oftentimes we disconnect from it. Hey, I'm in the big seat now. I'm calling the shots. Da, 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 da. But I never want to forget what it's like to be a teacher. And that experience gave me that. And so now there is a compassion that I have for bus drivers, for custodians, for paraprofessionals that I did not always have. Uh, And that's what that experience did for me. Yeah, no, that you hit the nail on the head because I hear that from a lot of teachers. It's like, my administrator forgot what it's like to be in the classroom. And Mm -hmm. I would say probably, you know, nine times out of 10, they're probably right, you know. Right, um, right. I remember um, I had a, a a teacher who was uh, she was pregnant 
and she um, needed to, to, like every other Friday, she had to like leave early uh, to make it to a doctor's appointment. Um, I'm forgetting the circumstances, but she was really nervous about like, I don't know how I'm going to make this work. And I said, look, don't take the days off. You're going to need your days. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll step into your class. She, wow. oh, by the way, she taught first grade. So, um, <laughs> so I stumbled through every other Friday, you know, like for, for like after lunch, I mean, just a couple hours, but still like, it was important that I was in there. I, the kids were like, Dr. Franken doesn't know what he's doing. I'm like, no, Dr. Franken d- doesn't, doesn't <laughs> never taught first grade, but you know, it's, it's important. That's why I, I love working like doing the university work that I do because I have pre-service teachers, pre-service administrators, and I get to be with them as they're going through these, you know, these times with them. I get to do observations. I get to visit schools and be in classrooms and really, again, get an idea of, of what it's like to be back there. Because my classroom days were two decades ago. Not right. um, super applicable now. So I find it super important, even in the role that I have, getting into the classrooms talking to teachers, seeing mm-hmm. what their biggest stressors are because they're different than what mine were. Right. And that has helped me remain relevant. And when teachers complain about this, these things, administrators need to listen. Right, like, absolutely. You don't know what it's like back in the classroom uh, because the kids are, they're different now than they were 20 years ago. Especially yes, sir. I hate, I never like saying post pandemic because I always feel like we're, like we're getting, you get sucked <laughs> back in at any time. But right. like, you know, especially now, 2023, uh, right here at the beginning of the year, it, the kids are different. They've gone through things that I couldn't have imagined at their age. And you just have to deal with that all day long, every day. And mm-hmm. I just think, like you said, I mean, having those experiences of being in classrooms and talking to custodians and bus drivers, having you been a bus driver, you know, just makes you just more that more well-rounded administrator than than the vast majority of us right right um and that experience i remember a few weeks before we got up for christmas a bus driver came brought some kids back to school and i mean he was angry <laughs> they they did something on the bus and uh and he was like uh he was upset and he said how am i supposed to do this and I told him, sir, I remember I've been where you are. I drove bus for about seven or eight years. Yeah. And so you can almost hear the air of the anger deflate. Oh, yeah. Because they don't think that we get it. So when I t- was able to share my experience with him, he was like, oh. Oh, for sure. I don't doubt that at all. Like I don't have that experience. And so I bus driver yelled at me a few times, you know, and rightfully, rightfully so, you know, until I rode the bus with him, I didn't really understand it. And I did it for one day. I mean, you were the bus driver six, seven years. I mean, that, that experience is invaluable and you can make a connection with the bus driver much stronger than, than I could, you know, uh, just because again, you've been there and you've done that role, but you know, most principals, didn't drive bus. <laughs> right. It's not something in many of our resumes. So, um, and then where are you, where are you now um, in your career? I am currently uh, serving as an assistant principal in Dallas ISD. And um, 
I'm loving it. I'm at a middle school here in Dallas. And again, I, I just love what I do. So um, I'm enjoying it. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you like so much for uh, uh, sharing your journey uh, with, with, with me and, and with our listeners here. Uh, are there any kind of last like nuggets of knowledge that you want to <laughs> expound upon our, our listeners here? What I guess maybe like, what is one thing that um, just holds you to your truth and your passion? What gets you through it? I always remain connected to my why. Why did I do this? Mm -hmm. Why um, did I start this journey? Why am I still on this journey? Mm -hmm. So when things get hard, I remember being the bus driver. I remember being the paraprofessional. I remember working hard to pass my teaching exam. I, it was harder to pass my teaching exam than it was to pass the principal test. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I remember the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. But to that person who may be struggling with their why, and you may be a bus driver, you may be a custodian, you may be a paraprofessional, uh, number one is never too late to start to pursue your passion, your purpose. And if I did it, you can do it. There's nothing so great about me, so grand about me. It was all, I think, divine purpose and a plan. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Monte. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Um, really, really just in awe of your journey. And uh, I'm sure having folks listen to you uh, is helping them remember their why or reconnect with their why if they need to, even if they are just starting out in their career or their paraprofessional bus driver, custodian, whoever it is, um, you know, remembering their why and where they want to go. And mm -hmm. I think that uh, that is a journey that is something that is it's personalized it's our own but at the same time we can learn from others and uh, draw strength from one another so thanks so much for being a guest here on the principal's desk podcast and uh, hope to talk to you uh, again maybe soon uh, maybe you're going to be doing something else like astronaut or you know <laughs> vice president of the united states who knows like i just you know we'll see what happens but uh, thanks so much really appreciate you being here thank you for having me david the sky's the limit <laughs> If you want to learn more about Monte's journey, please visit his website at monteldemars.org and also check out his newly released book, Just Be, that encourages others to be connected with who, what, and where they are while in pursuit of their goals, all available on his website. Thanks for tuning in. Hey everyone, this is David, the founder of The Principal's Desk. If you want to learn more about the professional development services that we offer, please check out www.principalsdesk.org or email us at info at the principalsdesk.org.